Barry Horowitz, who was on this podcast in the po- that uh, before. Working Fans Podcast, cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. Welcome back for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, may likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at FansWorking. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram where you can keep up with us at WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms, including Anchor.fm. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Working Fans Podcast. Myself, producer Joe, and my co-host Dave, the biggest wrestling fan I know. We are all here, nowhere near each other, but on phone lines due to the COVID-19. This is social distancing at its best. Dave, hit us up with some topics for this week. That's right. I want you guys to stay the fuck away from me. Okay, let's hit it. First thing I want to talk about is, AJ, we've talked about this. I don't think we've talked about it for the pod yet. Vince McMahon looking old. Tell us about that. <laughs> Why does Vince McMahon oh, look well, like a piece of shit in your eyes? <laughs> Vince McMahon looks like death on top of a jacked-up body right now. Yeah. It looks like, yeah, I, don't know if you've, I don't know if you've ever seen Beetlejuice, but he looks like the shrunken head on top of the, the jacked-up dude. And he sounds even worse. He does a guy who's never smoked in his life to sound like he's swallowing a cock mm. is not a good thing. Yes. There's a big correlation between smoking and swallowing cocks. <laughs> Thank you for your insight on that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're both oral fixations, Dave. Hey, I'm just, you know, I'm just here pushing what you're pushing, pal. I got your back. <laughs> but I think we can all agree that Vince McMahon, he looked horrible and sounded horrible. He did sound, he, he sounded good. He looks like he's still working out constantly, but it looks like Father Time is killing him from the head down. Well, check this out. So, Becky Lynch is doing a show called Billions, I want to say. She had an interview with, I believe it's TV Insider, but Wrestle Talk basically has a quote here, and I want to read it word for word. I think, because they're asking how Vince would do on the show Billion. I think Vince would do pretty well on this show. The eccentric character that he is, Vince is such a larger-than-life character. At the same time, I just watched him the other day demonstrate falling off a tower at 74 years old without a bother brushing his shoulders off and standing up again. Okay, two things. This motherfucker's dropping off towers. That's fucking insane, and I wouldn't have pictured that after watching him the other night on SmackDown. And two... This is kind of kind of leading to each other. Are, are they, you think they're talking about money in the bank? Is he jumping off the Stanford headquarters? Are we going to be pushing motherfuckers off the roof of Stanford? Yeah, this is a little terrifying. 
All of that. All of that's I, I terrifying. Not, not, yeah, first of all, you should not be pushing 75-year-olds, I don't care, or 74-year-olds, I don't care what shape they're in, <laughs> off of towers. Right. Considering I'm pretty sure the number one killer old people is broken hips. Yeah, well, um, that's just that how the dangerous. <laughs> but like we talked about, it's not his body we're worried about. I'm not surprised that he could take a fall and get up and be perfectly fine. His body looks great. Yeah. It's his face, his voice, and the fact that he sounds like he's got COVID-19. <laughs> yeah. He did take that head butt about two years ago from Kevin Owens. So maybe, uh, maybe Kevin rattled something. I, it just makes me nervous for him, and I'll be honest with you, it makes me look forward to hopefully sometime in the near future having better leadership. We'll see. We'll see. Speaking of leadership and COVID-19, Florida has come out this week and said they're already predicting for June, maybe even in the next week or two, they want to have fans possibly at wrestling events. What do you think about this? I got to be honest with you, as much as I want the fans back, and I think it's good for the product, yeah. I haven't seen any evidence that this thing has gone away. No. So the, so the idea of getting people together already in large numbers of any kind yeah. seems a little dangerous. I would agree. I mean, maybe if they keep it to like 20 people or 50 people and they're all spread out, but I would still say at least... July, maybe. Let's monitor how this is going to go. Florida is definitely, they're pushing it. They're, they're definitely, uh, and, and all these companies, AEW, WWE, and even the UFC, they're on board. They're, they're flocking to Florida right now. Of course they're for it. That's how they're going to make money. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you know me, I'm not, I'm not a worry wart in general. No, I'm not no, a person no. who goes around worrying about shit happening. Oh, God, I think I might get sick. That's not who I am. Right. But you have to something like this. And, you know, there's a certain amount of danger in it. Like they say, they've come up with this new vaccine. But I got to tell you, this will sound a little bit like it all being a work. <laughs> but from my understanding, this new vaccine is also going to have something in it that is going to help you also be tracked by this new 5G. Mm. I don't know how much you've heard about 5G. Or if you're concerned about 5G or not, but this new method and fifth generation that you'll see popping up on your cell phone and stuff of that nature and all these towers yeah. is all a way for the man to track you. Okay. So, you're not... <laughs> just, a little just a little conspiracy theory for you. All right. I'm not saying I believe in it. Yeah. I I'm just saying it's a conspiracy theory that's going around. Well, talking about COVID-19, talking about conspiracies, there is talking about the dead. What about The Undertaker? Are you excited for this new series coming out next week? I am and I'm not. I'm very excited because I think the series is going to be fantastic. Yeah. But I don't think people realize that this series, The Last Ride, is going to literally... Oh, you don't say. <laughs> Where are you at, baby? That's, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, we lost you. I Yeah, all yeah, we heard was yeah. All we heard was I think the series is going to be good, but and then that was it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Well, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Well, rewind, cut that out. 
And but what I was saying <laughs> was is that I don't think people realize as good as this is going to be, and I'm excited for it too. I don't know if people are necessarily prepared for the end of it because it's going to bring the end of the Undertaker's career. I think at the end of this program. Hey, tell me what you think about this booking. Since everybody loved the Boneyard match, me and you included, what do you think this series goes? Survivor Series was they debuted. We do a Boneyard match one more time. Say with somebody like Sting or somebody like that. Good lead in. We get through that. He goes to the Rumble. He wins the Rumble. He's going into Hall of Fame. And he has his last match at Mania for the title. Win or you lose. We're already getting a peek behind the curtain. But what do you say? That's the way we end his career. Thoughts? I think it's a great ending to a career. I mean, you can't write it better than that. Hmm. But I think, what, what is he, win the title at Mania and then bury it the next day? I, I'm not saying he has to win the title. If the right guy goes over, I think that's what he's going to do. But I think it'd be good to have that one last, like, they're calling it the last ride. Have it lead into that final match. Have him retire on the biggest stage. You know, ending the match and going for that gold one more time. You know, have him win the Rumble going into it, too. Wow. Yeah, no, that could work. I mean, who does he finish up, though, again? That's a good question. At that point, you have to figure out who you want to pass to the moon. Right. I mean, they did it once before, but The Fiend comes to mind. Yeah, I don't know. Drew McIntyre right now is doing great, but it's kind of hard to get a feel for that because we don't have fans or anything and ratings are dropping. So I don't blame that on him, but that's just the way it is, unfortunately. Do you think when all this comes back together and they're less worried about the viruses and stuff like that, do you think Roman Reigns comes back into a position where he's going to be affected by what he, the choices that he made and maybe he'll have that opportunity? You never know. Timing will be everything. Roman, to me, is too big a name. The company's spent so much money, so much time building that he won't be a player when he gets back. It's just, we don't know how long Roman's going to be gone for, unfortunately. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, we're talking about WWE. Let's talk about AEW, too, real quick. They're going live this week. Obviously, you know, some people aren't happy about that, but it is what it is. These companies are going to go live, and they want to get back out there, too. So, what do you think about that? And are well, we excited? haven't... We haven't talked about a, um, a match that I think stole the show last week on AEW. I think the Dustin Rhodes versus, oh God, what's his name? Lance Hoyt. Uh, sorry. Lance Hoyt. Sorry. Lance Hoyt Archer. I think that they actually oh, yeah. stole the show last week in the storytelling. Were they the best athletes on the show? Probably not. But the way that they told their story, they showed what pro wrestling can be. And by the time you got to the end of there with Dustin bleeding again and with the damage done by Lance Archer, you're talking about an unforgettable angle and you're talking about now building up to Cody Rhodes and Lance Archer, which is already was beginning to build beforehand. I'm glad you said... I think they did that right? Yeah, I do. And I'm glad you brought up that match in particular because I was talking about them going live and that kind of very interesting. I don't know if they were ready necessarily to go live because if you look at that show... When they opened with Cody and Darby, Brandy got a, you know bumped into the rail earlier. She came back at the end there with Dustin, wasn't selling it and wearing a different outfit. It looks like those uh, matches were supposed to be on two different shows. Well, first of all, knowing as good as Brandy is, hard to believe that she wouldn't be selling something and <laughs> not, not putting it over correctly. But I do believe they were taped at different times. 
However, one of the things you want to remember, and this is just something that I've noticed, whenever she comes out with Dustin, she's always more in the Nightmare Collective outfit, whereas whenever she comes out with her husband, she's in Day at the Beach outfit. Well, uh, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, it does. I mean, at the end of the day, I think they um, they got the word that Florida and Georgia are opening stuff up, so they're going down and they're jumping on this ticket and trying to get things started. We're going to see some people back, like Matt Hardy's coming back next week. I don't know. I mean, I hope nobody gets yeah. sick just like WWE either. I don't want anyone to get sick, but I'm excited to yeah. have everybody back. There is, a way, there is a way I can prove your theory, though. Mm. If you look around the ring... It's different people around the ring when you actually look at the um, wrestlers from AEW that are there. Oh, yeah. Uh, no. Billy and his son are there for both, but it's actually different wrestlers around the ring for both matches. Yeah, no, I definitely don't think they were planning to go together. But regardless, excited to see AWA, a, excuse me, AEW come back live. And I hope they uh, put on a good product and hope everybody stays healthy. What did you think of the Darby Allen Cody Rhodes match? I like the story they're telling. Darby keeps getting closer to beating Cody, but he just can't quite get it yet. And I think it's going to lead to eventually Darby scoring a big win at him. And we'll see. Maybe one of them turns heel down the road. We're not quite ready for that yet. But I feel like there's an ongoing ongoing story here that's being told. How much more scary was it to see Cody Rhodes, who is about 50 to 60 pounds heavier than Darby Allen, doing the coffin drop? <laughs> Cody's pretty fearless. We've learned that. No, I didn't mean for him. I meant for Darby Allen. Who was underneath him and had to put his knees up. Darby doesn't give a shit either. Holy we've come to find Christ. out. <laughs> yeah, how fearless is Darby Allen to take that move? Holy Christ! Yeah, and this is how you know, folks, that AJ likes Darby because he puts them over constantly, and AJ doesn't like smaller wrestlers usually. <laughs> In fairness, I hate little people all around. That's true. That's true. But that's about what I, I want I, to get I, off. I with. told you. I told. I was going to say, I told you years ago, don't trust anybody under six feet tall. Yes, you did. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's about what I want to get off my chest. Joe, what do you got for us? All right, this week, I kind of want to look at COVIDCon. We promoted it. It's currently going on. Dave, have you been keeping up with it at all? Hell no, Joe. I actually, um, I just got home. It's the first of the month, by the way, folks, and that means a very busy uh, time for the bread world and stores. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of interviews behind the scenes, so uh, I haven't had a chance. I actually just tuned it on before we started recording. I was watching an author. I want to say it was Peter Berg, and he was talking about a comic book he had coming out with wrestlers and stuff, like Brutus Beefcake, and it looked interesting, but that's all I've seen so far. It's been good from what I've seen. I've in here and there the last couple days. It's really an interesting concept. AJ, what did you think of the COVID con idea? I love the idea. Getting all those authors together. You got wrestlers who are authors. You've got authors who write about wrestlers. All of them are good storytellers. So to do Q&As with them and to have the opportunity to pick their brains about things in wrestling and about the subjects that they're experts on, I think it's phenomenal. I mean, you've got the guy who wrote the uh, greatest biography of all time for Mr. Casanova, where he wrote the biography on Kamala. <laughs> That's not an easy one. Mm. Now, have you guys been wonder- keeping up with MLW at all? They've also been doing the Super Series with AAA. Four to three, baby. MLW is leading. AAA can tie next week. I'm, I feel like they're really stretching out the shows. 
like I like this week I kind of noticed a little bit more like they're not probably uh, in a hurry to do like whatever they're going to do I, although I I don't think MLW is going to be doing empty arena shows if anything I heard they're doing a um was it anthology anthology is coming up MLW anthology Joe did you hear about this yeah MLW anthology is going to be coming out in May on DN Sports and it's going to highlight some of the rivalries, some of the championships, I think some of the past storylines. And I think it's going to coincide with when their previous footage has run out. Right. Because they haven't done the arena matches. And I believe the matches in Mexico were the last thing they did before everything shut down. So it's good to see them kind of morphing. They've also talked about digitizing the old MLW underground TV episode that we are hoping to review very soon. <laughs> and that is also some programming that can carry them through this pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, MLW, yep. MLW with their library is not as much danger as some people. It's not like NWA, who, even though they bought the rights to the name, don't really have the rights to the NWA library. It's a completely different animal. And Corp Bowers done a good job of amassing plenty of films for them to be able to maintain through this. Yeah, if you think about it. That's true. The only problem they have is similar to ECW. They use I don't know if they license the music, but they use music that, in this day and age, probably you might have to cut out. Like, their theme song for ML Underground TV was When Worlds Collide by Power Man 5000. I don't know if they could play that on TV now, but that's what they played on TV in, like, 2002, 2003. Yeah, it's much harder to get away with it now, especially with the amount of platforms it's played on. Because the chances of somebody who's connected to the band not actually seeing it at all is slim to none. And that's the big thing is that there's just so many platforms. Anything else you guys got? Much like, uh, uh, the one other thing I want to list here is the pro wrestling crate. How did you feel about it compared to last month's crate, AJ? Oh, I thought this uh, month's crate compared to the last month's crate was nowhere near as good. Um, and I was actually uh, for not putting it in that video. I didn't put it in the video. I, I try to play up to the strengths in those videos, I'll be honest with you, because there are things that I love in it. I just love the Flip Gordon autograph. <laughs> I thought that that photo and autograph were fantastic with him and Bully Ray. Obviously, I love the Dusty Rhodes t-shirt and the Kurt Angle t-shirt, but to me, the Jim Duggan and the Lex Luger were pretty much useless. <laughs> Nothing against these, either one of them, but... I'm, not, I'm a little old for toys, and a pin from the Lex Express really does nothing for me. <laughs> I'll be your hero. I mean, to be fair, the micro brawler and the pin are always there, so, like, whatever ends up in those two, I'm not too disappointed in. I thought I do, we would I get do. a much doper Dusty Rhodes t-shirt. Like, think back to a couple yeah. months ago when they did that Ric Flair t-shirt. Space Mountain? That was out of hand. Yeah, I have to believe that Cody Rhodes had nothing to do with developing this t-shirt. I, I, I think it would have had a lot more style to it had he been involved with it. They literally just took a picture of Dusty Rhodes with an American flag and said, all right, let's put this on there. Yeah. And, and my and, only criticism and, with your review would be when you have that card, maybe talk next time about how they hook you for next month where they give you the theme. 
They give you the wrestlers, but they don't tell you who gets what spot. That natural side of the card has hooked me for the past three or four months. Because I've been looking to cut an expense. Pro Wrestling Crate would be a perfect one, but they always have me on the hook for the next month. We could get a much more that promotion. Absolutely, but now it'll be easier for me to do that because now I'm going to know there was the other side of the card. <laughs> this, you know there was a side facing the camera, right? Yeah, I looked at the side that had all the stuff that I had on it. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually look at the other side. <laughs> oh, wow, I thought you looked at the side that had next month's stuff, and then you were talking no. about like the current month like you were surprised. Like, I don't know what kind no. of shit we're going to get. No, I was just looking at the current stuff. I never even looked at the other side of the card. Mm-hmm. By the way, a little peek behind the curtain. This is the difference between me and Joe. Joe, very good at paying attention to what's coming up. Nah, not so much. Fly by the seat of my pants kind of fella. AJ might have changed I mean, his name a couple fair, times on the show. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I only watched the video today just to know, like, how it came out, because... I didn't even know what your reaction was. You sent me the video, and then like two days later, I posted it. <laughs> uh, um, I enjoyed it. So, let's be clear. Overall, I love the crate. Even the stuff that I'm not necessarily a big fan of, I love the fact that I'm getting surprised and that I'm getting merchandise and that it's supporting wrestlers. So, Oh, and no they support charities each month. Exactly. So, so to me... The crate overall is worth anything that I might spend on it. I'll admit that. Now, I was just disappointed with no DVD this month. Usually it's a DVD, some kind of side gift, a micro-brawler. This week it was just like a comic, the micro-brawler, a pen, and go fuck yourself. T-shirt. Hey, AJ, how do you watch your DVDs? I, I don't have a DVD player. So I'm better with the comic book. <laughs> oh, wow. See, I love the DVDs each month. I just hope for ones that come with matches as opposed to just, like, the interview or the compilation. So, so here's what I'm going to do every month now. We're going to pick a fan each month on Twitter and on YouTube. If you watch us on YouTube and you hit us up on Twitter and you tell me that you like the DVD on Twitter, we're going to pick a fan each month and I will send you the DVD if it's in the box. There you go. Oh, oh wow. For a deal. Damn. Maybe you get some free bread. Hey. He hits me up in time, too. Oh, shit. Yeah, that... <laughs> cinnamon raisin, fact, baby. You know what? <laughs> matter of fact, who are you sending some... cinnamon raisin to? Tell me you're not going to fuck Oscar with that cinnamon raisin. <laughs> I, might, I might throw a cinnamon raisin or two, but he'll get some other stuff. Don't worry. <laughs> Guys, matter of fact, I'll send the micro brawler down also. Damn. Hey, what about those pins? Can I get those pins falling out the back of the truck? <laughs> I actually I, I load actually, my work hat up with them. Uh, uh, Joe, for you, I'll give you the pins. There you go. My man. So, so there you go, fans. If you're listening, pay attention. you got to watch the YouTube video, though. Watch the YouTube video. Tell, tell us a little something about it in a tweet or something. And we will send you, and we will pick one fan each month for the micro brawler, and we'll pick one fan each month for the DVD. And I'll tell you what, if anybody is a shirt designer and you want to draw up a shirt that says Working Fans Podcast, it says 
good pussy in this town, I'll send you some free bread for sure. That's not going to be our first shirt for real, right? I mean, if the guy sends it. I mean, <laughs> Hey, I didn't realize it. I've been hearing from a few people. Apparently, it's getting over. It's not my fault. <laughs> oh, no, it's 100% getting over, but two of us are on the market. One of us are married. I don't know how this is getting us over at all. <laughs> at, 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 at this point, I would like to uh, remind everybody we are trying to get our first female guest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have not concluded that in any of the emails. Yeah, this, this might not help. <laughs> um, all right, I've got to get quarantined and go into work. <laughs> I mean, get sanitized and go into work. So quarantine, that's like the opposite of quarantine. You're stepping out in the battlefield, bud. Yeah. That is, what I, that is exactly what I am doing. So I will catch you guys down the road. Hey, hey, I got one question before you hang up, though. What do you got? Is there really good pussy in Stanford? <laughs> Not that I've seen. <laughs> hey, wrestling fans, this is Gary Michael Capetta, and you're listening to the Working Fans Wrestling Podcast. All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast with Dave here. And today I got a gentleman who's been in the wrestling business for a long time. He's been everywhere. This guy's worked for Vince Sr. and Vince Jr. He's got a book out called Body Slams, Memoirs of a Wrestling Pitchman. Ladies and gentlemen, Gary Michael Capetta. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing pretty well. Thank you. I appreciate the invite. No, no problem. Honor to have you on. And, you know, like I was saying, you worked for... Uh, both fences, just a little quick before that, how did you get to that? Like, you started off working for the Worldwide Wrestling Federation for Vince Sr., but how did you get to that point? How did you break in, and how did you get that get that gig? Well, back then, there, was no, there were no independents, so the WWF was, it was the only organization in the Northeast. So, like, there was no place to go to break in. You just started, you know, at some of their their local shows, and I didn't have any desire to be a ring announcer. They, I just went one night, and they didn't have anybody, and I volunteered. I thought for the night, hmm. and then they asked me to come back. It was uh, in the summer, and in the summertime in Wildwood, New Jersey, which is a vacation resort where they WWF had weekly wrestling shows. So they just kept on asking me to come back week after week after week throughout the summer. And that's how I started. It was like, there's no training. I have never had any any kind of broadcasting class or anything like that. So I guess the best things happen on accident sometime, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, I just, they, at the end of the summer, I found out that Gorilla Monsoon was actually one of the owners of the territory, and he was the promoter of that part of the territory and he just asked me if I would continue with him so I did and I was working elsewhere I was teaching school but at night I'd hop in the car and just for New Jersey Eastern Pennsylvania and Delaware I was announcing an average of three nights a week <laughs> a week because uh, because it wasn't just weekends it was you know any any night Right. 
Yeah, it was a big uh, territory back then. You were going on the road constantly. It was all about the arena and house shows, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, there were high schools and colleges and convention centers and rodeo arena and army base and hockey rinks and theaters, just like all like little little places. And I did that part-time for two years, and then they, they had a need for a TV announcer, and they asked me if to come in and do that. So I did their TV for eight years. Wow. So you worked directly with Gorilla Monsoon for a little while. Now, Gorilla's someone not a lot of people got to work with directly that are still around. How was Gorilla? Like, I've never heard anything but nice things about him. He was the best. He, I mean, he was, the, he was the reason that I had any career in pro wrestling. But he was, he was somebody who, unlike other promoters, that I had come in contact with, he, yeah, he cared about you as a person. Mm. And yeah, I mean, he would, we both lived in New Jersey and he would invite me over. He had a, a pool table in his basement. And, you know, he, he just, he treated me like a, like a human being. <laughs> so, you know, over and above being an announcer. So I, I really appreciated that. Oh, that does not sound like the bar was set very high for promoters, though, if treating you like a human being was the way to go. Yeah, that's not asking much, right? No, no, not at all. So that was what else I wanted to ask you, because you're also in a unique position. You worked with Vince Sr. and Vince Jr. Compare and contrast for me a little bit, if you could. What are the main differences between those two? In particular, how was Vince Sr.? Um, he, he was more uh, quiet kind of like a dignified kind of guy. He was always well-dressed. But he was he was just as cutthroat in business. He just had other people carry out what he needed to get done. Mm. I, I, you know, if you read uh, Bruno San Martino's first autobiography, he'll tell you about how Senior had blackballed him before he became champion. Um, how he had blackballed him across the country where Bruno wasn't able to work anywhere. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, they did their little dealings with the state athletic commissions. Every state had a commission. And, yeah, I mean, he, but he, he was, but but to your face, I mean, he was nice. Mm. He was, uh, I, I remember once I had been working, doing their TVs for a couple of years. And when we would do the TV, we would tape it. And we would tape it every three weeks and we would take three one hour shows a week and they were syndicated and you know broadcast across the WWF territory and I think I I was either making 40 or 60 bucks now this is this was maybe that it wasn't so bad I mean it was in mid to late 70s but I had I thought I, I deserved more and I went in and I asked senior for a raise and I thought I had the answer to anything he was going to throw at me, you know, about why I should get this raise. And he just simply looked at me and said, you know, I just can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I like, what do you say to that right. to this millionaire, you know, who controlled all of, you know, wrestling for the Northeast, such a lucrative territory. But, you know, the, the, this was I know, common with the McMahons. They could never tell you that you did a good job. Hmm. They would never, because, I, I think it was because they didn't want you to get a high 
opinion of yourself uh, yeah. so that you would go in and ask for a raise because Dave, at, at the end of the night, he had given me the raise that I asked for. Huh. <laughs> he just couldn't. They oh. got that, you know, that higher amount of money. I think it went up to like 75 bucks or something like that. Huh. And I got it every three weeks after that. So, yeah, I've had a few bosses like that back in the day, too. Just keep their self-esteem low, so this way when we give them anything at all, they're appreciative. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, my producer, Joe, he was, he's been reading your book. He's been getting some stuff to me, and one of the things he wanted me to ask you was that you referred to Vince Jr. a lot as Vinny. And what he picked up on was that you don't come across intimidated by Vince Jr. at all, like a lot of people. And he was curious, how do you view Vince McMahon Jr.? Well, when I started their TV, he was the commentator. So I was inside the ring and he was, you know, maybe 10, 12 feet away at a table doing the, you know, the commentary as the wrestling was going on. And he, he was, you know, he, he just wasn't a nice guy. You know, just even, even back then he would strut around. Hmm. Now remember he was, he was the boss's son. Right. So, I mean, it was before he had created anything. Yeah, I mean, just, I never had a warm and fuzzy relationship with him. I can see that. I can hear that. <laughs> and you know, it's, it's, you know what's interesting? A few years ago, I read Justin Roberts' book. Okay. And it seemed to me like not much had changed. <laughs> no, no. Justin Roberts does not have a lot of nice things to say about him either. <laughs> no, no, but he would say the same kind of things, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, I was never, I never, you know, like I said, I only came in to do to do my, uh, I, I announced at the Meadowlands, at the Philadelphia Spectrum, and then the TV, and then these little shows in between. So I, I didn't travel with anybody, you know, I, I just I, I just stayed in my home base. So I didn't have a whole lot of interaction with them, like on the road or anything, so there was no opportunity for anyone to, to say anything or do anything to me, you know, outside of the arena, because I would just go home every night. But Justin had that, op, you know, that, experience you know and, and it, it comes across as a bit like a bullying kind of experience oh yeah as a fan I, too you hear the stories jim ross has talked about it who seems like he had a good relationship well an off and on relationship maybe a complicated one but there's no doubt there was bullying you hear about that and what people are saying anyone that goes to the network and and sees my work on all-star wrestling or if you go back anyone that has any any tape on any wwf broadcast that I did, you will notice that in the eight years that I did their TV, I was with them 11 years total, but eight years on TV, he never once mentions my name, ever. Mm. It, it's just this this blank announcer, let's go to the announcer, or gee, uh, Jimmy Snook had just attacked that announcer, you <laughs> uh, yeah. know, and it's pretty much how he treated me, you know, like, as we, as we crossed paths, and he made... Yeah, he might if we if we sort of like walked by each other, he might acknowledge me, might not. You know, he was he was just a an idiot. <laughs> so that's I don't think he's you know I don't think that's changed much. I love your honesty, Gary. Well, I will ask you about another promoter. You went to work for I believe Pro Wrestling USA, but I don't think it was that easy. I think you had to win over a Gary Juster at the time. Is that right? And how did that all come about? Yeah, that's. That is correct. When I finished up with WWF, McMahon had already begun expanding 
um, into other parts of the country, little by little. And he was, uh, he was, you know, he was taking up talent, you know, like take, taking a Hogan from the AWA and, and he was just taking talent from different organizations. So Jim Crockett and Vern Gagne, so the NWA, AWA, decided to get together. They formed a group Pro Wrestling USA, came into the, into the Northeast. And when Vinny went national, <clears throat> a lot of the local promoters, they had, I mean, Vinny took over the promoting of everything. So his, all his local contacts in his, in his towns were out of work. So because they had deep roots in the communities as far as promoting the shows, Gary Chester, who represented Pro Wrestling USA, teamed up with them, you know, and, and so they were to get an announcer you know, to, you know, to be the ring announcer for each of the of their shows. And every one of them called me and, you know, said, Gary, you know, would you come in? So I said, sure. So when Pro Wrestling USA learned that they had gotten Gary Michael Capetta, the Pro Wrestling USA people said, nope, nope, he can't be the announcer. And the reason is, is, and I understood it, it was that I was so closely identified with the WWF that they wanted a fresh look. And so one by one, every every promoter called me and canceled, except for one. <laughs> and I went out that night, I think it was uh, to Brooklyn, and I and when I when Gary Jester walked in and he saw me, I could tell like his face just fell. And uh, but by the end of the night I had won him over. I mean he saw my interaction with the fans. I think uh, we went out to for something to eat, just he and I afterwards, and he saw that I'd be more of a help than a hindrance. And yeah, so then I started working for Vern Gagne and Jim Crockett. Sounds like a lesson to be learned there. Just, you know, no matter what the situation, work hard, give your best, and uh, good things can happen. <laughs> yeah, you just persevere, you know, like just don't take no for an answer. You know, the guys that canceled me, I had and they would, you know, they would apologize. Oh, Gary, I'm really sorry, but so it is what it is, and you just go ahead and do what you think is best and what's right. And and you know, when I look back at some of the the decisions that I've made over the the decades that I've been in pro wrestling, even those that turned out to be decisions I shouldn't have made, you always have to put yourself back in the situation, and probably. In doing that, I would have made the same decisions because mm. you know you have certain alternatives, you have certain options, you and you, the, the climate is what it is, and you evaluate it. You're not always right, but ah, who is? You know, absolutely. Eventually, you went to WCW. Yeah, yeah, uh, you got part of WCW. How did that come about? Was that just an extension of Pro Wrestling USA, or how did that work out? No, that came. Well, I had already been announcing for the NWA okay. at their monthly shows in Baltimore and then eventually in Philadelphia and then when the two groups teamed together at the Meadowlands so Jim Crockett knew my work and then he started bringing me in to do Clash of Champions which were midweek TBS specials to promote their upcoming pay-per-views and then he brought me into pay-per-views and then I started doing AWA pay-per-views and when Turner Broadcasting bought Jim Crockett's NWA, that was in um, 
1988. I think it was like the first week of either October, November. And that December, I did an AWA pay-per-view. It was Super Clash in Chicago. And Jim Hurd, who was the guy in charge of WCW at the time, sent word to me that I was not to do their pay-per-views anymore because I should be exclusively to WCW. And I sent word back to him, forget it. (laughs) You know, like, if you expect me to sit home when I have an opportunity and you're not going to pay me for that night, there's no way I'm going to sit home. Like, you don't owe me, so put me under contract and then you'll have me exclusively. And that's what he did. Sidebar, actually, uh, I didn't have this written down, but you mentioned Chicago for that pay-per-view. And I've been talking about this recently. Is that not just one of the best wrestling crowds there is? They always seem enthusiastic, no matter what the product or where, you know, what they're bringing. Yeah, yeah. Chicago is, uh, is, a, is a terrific wrestling town. And I, um, I, you know, I connected well with the, with the fan base there. A few years ago when I decided to bring my stage show to Chicago, we had a nice, uh, a nice turnout. Yeah, Chicago's been one of my one of my top cities. Now, how did you get the nickname the most dangerous ring announcer? I heard Jim Ross refer to you as that. I believe, and there's a, there's a little controversy about who, who this was, but I believe it was Jim Cornette one night who just who referred to me as the world's most dangerous announcer, which was kind of funny because I'm, you know, I come across as being so conservative and harmless, which is based on the the world's most dangerous wrestler, which is Dick the Bruiser. And also, David Letterman had the world's most dangerous band. And that came from Dick the Bruiser because David Letterman grew up in Indianapolis and was a wrestling fan. Hmm. So it was just uh, one thing that I believe it was Jim Cornette threw out there, and it just stuck. That's awesome. Now, one particular WCW moment I got to ask you about because... This just doesn't happen in most people's lives. You were on the tour in Germany where Mick Foley handed you his ear? Is that correct? No, well, he didn't. It, it was tossed to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was, his ears had been just hanging off the side of his head for months. And, and you know, it, was, it was from a spot that he did where he was, He'd be propelled into the ropes, put his head between the top and the center rope, and then uh, spin himself over the top, and he'd be hanging there with the ropes around his neck. And then the referee would do his best to open the ropes, and Mick's head would slip through. And every night, little by little, his ears kept on getting nicked. And it, so in Germany, it was the, the ropes, ropes were tighter. The referee was a... French referee who didn't speak English and didn't know the spot and didn't know how to help Nick get out of the twist of the ropes and so it really the, the one ear really tore and when Mick got back into the ring he was wrestling Vader the ear just dropped off and the re- and the referee picked it up and tossed it to me and kept on yelling ambulance ambulance I don't speak French but I got that right right so I put the ear in my hand and went backstage and Ric Flair was in charge that night. He was the agent on the road in in Germany and uh, it was very dark. It was a sportsahala in uh, in Germany and it was very dark back there. 
So he couldn't see my hand, and he just wanted to know what I was doing back there. I should have been at ringside. And I said, you know, Rick, I've got Mick's ear in my hand. And he said, what? I said, I've got Mick's ear in right. my hand. Like, we need to find ice. I need to, you know, put it on ice. He said, are you feeling all right? And I took him by the arm, and I pulled him over to a more, like, a lighted area, and I showed him. And he just looked at me. He said, holy shit. Right. He said, that's a human ear. I said, yeah. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So I had to go find the doctor and get the ear put on ice, but they were never able to reattach it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I just imagine there's just nothing but kind of adrenaline taken over at that point. You're like, okay, I have this ear. I have to go to take care of this. But <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Because, you know, like, if someone were to walk in here now and say, here, I have someone's nose, would you hold it? Right. You know, I, I tell them, what are you, out of your mind? Mm -hmm. right. um, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, you do what you have to do under certain circumstances, things you'd, you'd never, ever think of doing. Yeah, there's no training for that. <laughs> no. <laughs> now, I got to ask you this, too. Joe had mentioned this. Like I said, he's been reading your book. He loves it so far. He's in the middle of it. He told me, and I got to think, okay, so to put this in perspective, if you're a guy like John Cena or Hulk Hogan, you know, you probably expect to have a stalker. That could happen. I'm guessing you didn't, but you have a stalker, apparently, at one point here. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm thinking when you're saying that your friend is in the middle of the book? Yeah. I, I, like, I'm sorry to ruin the end of the book for him because I didn't die at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. Back in the early days, before, way before internet, they had fan clubs for wrestlers. And there was every year, I think it was in St. Louis, but I'm not sure. I, I never went to it. But they would have a convention and all the presidents from the fan clubs would meet and I have no idea what they did out there but they would vote for like the best newsletter <clears throat> the best whatever so this woman came up to me at one point and she asked if she could start a fan club for me and I said no no I, I felt really uncomfortable with that because it was kind of presumptuous she said well why not I said because no one would join so like but she, she would come up to me like over months and finally I gave in and I said, okay. And as it turned out, she was like, she put out the best newsletter. Like we would win newsletter of the year, several years in a row. And she, she kept on enlisting fans. Like it kept on growing and growing and growing. And then a couple things happened, which were warning signs. Hmm. One was people started coming up to me and congratulating me for my recent engagement. <laughs> and I said, I'm not engaged to anybody. And she was telling everyone that we were engaged to be married. And then some of the women would come up to me and I started hearing very like, they, they would have the same story, similar stories, where they were starting to get harassing phone calls from this unknown person. And as it turns out, it was her. And so when I said to, when I put it together, I just said to her, like, I want nothing more to do with you, like, free. So someone else took over the club. So then every time that I would announce after that, she would show up, she would get a front row seat, she was dressed in black, 
she wore, she had like a black hat and black netting, like she was in mourning. And she wouldn't watch the matches. She would stare at me the entire time. And it was freaky. It was, it was dangerous. It was freaky. Yeah. One night, um, I had a show in an Asbury Park Convention Hall in New Jersey. And that wasn't too far from where I was living. And when I got, when I, when I uh, pulled onto the street where I lived, I saw like, a, like some like commotion up ahead. And when I got closer to my house, there was a bonfire that had been lit. A fire had been lit on the front lawn of my house. And I pulled over to the side and I started, um, like, stomping it out. And they were all, like, Gary Michael Capetta pictures and Gary Michael Capetta memorabilia. And um, I wasn't there when it happened, when it started, but I, I, you know, I believe that she did that. And then she died young, and I come to find out that when she passed away and they went into her, her living quarters, she had, like... Um, my pictures all over the walls. Wow. Yeah, it was like a shrine. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah, it was dangerous. It was freaky. Ah, wow. Yeah, that's, uh, you definitely worked under some, that, those were not safe work conditions, Gary. I don't think that was, uh, uh, having somebody in mourning too, like dressed in front of you, just staring at you probably at the whole time of the show. I can't imagine. Like, trying yeah, to- everybody was cheering, you know, at the action and what was going on in the ring. Yeah. And she was she was almost like motionless, wow. except for her head. Her head would move cool. when I would get in the ring. Her like her 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 gaze, her eyes just kept following me. Oh. Well, <laughs> on a lighter note about your book, uh, one other thing Joe wanted to ask me about was he really liked the way it was formatted. He liked the fact that under uh, like each chapter. You had like a list of the topics and like some quotes about it. Was there a particular strategy to that or how did that come about? No, not necessarily strategy. It was just a, just a, like a stylistic choice of quotes from people outside of wrestling that applied to the chapter that you're about to read. Yeah. Well, you know, when I left WCW, um, I never intended to write a book. I just, uh, but it was very difficult after being on the road. And then just stopping cold turkey. It was just just really difficult. So I just started to write some memories down. And and then I just kept on writing and writing. It was like a a therapeutic exercise. And I wrote for two years. And I would write and edit. And I loved it. I loved the the life of writing. Didn't go back to teaching. I I didn't do any announcing. I just wrote. And had a good time with it. That's awesome. Now, did... How how did you leave WCW? I, was it just mutual? Or what, what happened there? I don't remember hearing about it. How did I? I'm, I missed the question. Oh, I'm sorry. How uh, what happened? Was your exit with WCW? Uh, how did that come about? Oh, I think it was pretty much that Eric Bischoff didn't see the value of my work and thought that I was overpaid on top of it. Hmm. I could have. I, I was offered an opportunity to stay and to work part-time in the office and then continue with my announcing duties, for which I would have had to move to Atlanta. And I had no interest in working in the office. I had no interest in moving to Atlanta. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, that's the only, that's, that's what I would conclude, because why else would you not renew someone's contract is, you know, if you didn't see their value or, 
you know, yeah. I, I have no idea why. I knew that it was, the money was part of it because when they offered, you know, working part-time in the office, I was trying to justify the amount of my contract. So, yeah, you had no intention, you were saying, of being a ring announcer. So uh, one of the questions I was going to ask you, did you ever uh, have any interaction with Howard Finkel, who just passed away? Somewhat. It's unusual for there to be two main announcers at the same event at the same time. I mean, there's just no need for you know two of us to be there. But since he also worked in the office, in the WWF office, from time to time, he would, he would come to events where I was ring announcing. And, um, yeah, he was... Uh, very nice man. Very, very nice man. Obviously, like, uh, you had your own style. You got into this. Did you ever look at other ring announcers, whether it be like Howard, whether it be like, you know, boxing or MMA announcers like the Buffers? Uh, did you ever borrow anything? Did you ever look at something and go, oh, I like the way they do that and maybe try to incorporate something? Something we wouldn't notice as fans, but maybe something you picked up on. Yes, but not, probably not announcers that you would be familiar with. Because that happened when, you know, I started announcing in 1974. Mm. So I would look at Jimmy Lennon Sr. Oh, okay. Because I thought he was classy. There was uh, Smiling, no, not Smiling Sam Mason. He was the other one. Friendly Bob Freed, who was kind of goofy and mispronounced a lot of words. And I liked him because he was real. So... Uh, you know, like a combination of a couple, because when you when you have no training, you know, and you get you get into the ring, you're going to parrot what you what you liked when you were watching from the fifth row, which which is why it can be terrific or dangerous as to what WWE does, because everybody copies what they do. So when they do something that I'm not a fan of. I'm saying, oh no, because it's going to take decades to reverse <laughs> the impact of you know uh, of what they're doing. And we're in a generation too now too, where a lot of that happens. Like if uh, you know people see something crazy on a YouTube video, people just want to people want to copy it, people want to imitate, they want to do it. And, and I would say to you know young announcers out there, you can incorporate a sense that you like. You know, for instance, I said I liked. The one guy because he was a little goofy, and the other guy because he was just the opposite. He was like very proper. And, but to say the same words in the same way as another announcer is no way to distinguish yourself. You know, um, I don't even know what the whole phrase is, but the 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 phrase that Paulie Paul Heyman uses for Lesnar, he's the undisputed, the whatever, 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 oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every independent wrestling show that I go to. I hear that phrase, and it's like, well, I, I hear that, and I don't think of you, Mr. Up-and-Coming Announcer, or Miss Up-and-Coming Announcer. I think of the guy that originated it. Right. So if you want to if you want to create your own person, you need to be your own person. Yeah, I think Ric Flair had a story about how uh, he used to idolize Dusty Rhodes, and he wanted to be like... I think it was rambling Randy Rhodes or something, and Dusty told him, no, you figure out who you are. You be Ric Flair. Right. I mean, everybody, every performer, it doesn't matter whether you're a wrestler or you're a comedian or a singer. You know, you grew up idolizing certain people, and you, you pattern somewhat of your style from them. But you don't become them. Right. 
Have you? Oh, have you watched any of these Dark Side of the Ring documentaries? I have. Yep. Just curious to get your thoughts on some of these. Did you watch the one with David Schultz the other night? I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was very interesting to me because that definitely puts an interesting light on Vince too. <laughs> yeah, what I found most interesting about it was that David Schultz came across as being like common sense kind of guy and uh, John Stossel was a jerk yes you know like my my ear stopped ringing a little bit more when I got my payoff I'm so with you on this Gary because right if you just tell somebody this guy slapped this guy in the face you don't expect to walk watch that show and go hmm I'm sympathetic towards the guy who hit the other guy yeah I mean through the whole thing I thought David Schultz came across as being very reasonable yeah and I honestly, uh, me and a couple friends to watch wrestling were talking about this. I, I kind of believe him. Like, I mean, I just believe that Vince probably told him to act a certain way and handle it. And David's never changed his story on anything I've ever seen. And it just makes sense. And if you listen to Cornette and all those guys, like, they just knew it was a bad idea to have Stossel even there. So it kind of makes me wonder how did this even happen to begin with? Well, probably because Vinny wanted, you know, he, he wanted to mainstream wrestling. Right. So the more exposure wrestling got on mainstream programming, the better it would be. I mean, Vinny himself went on Larry King Live back in the day. He went on Donahue, you know, during his his uh, steroid trial. So, he, I mean, he wasn't hiding from other media. He was trying to spread the word of the WWF in non-wrestling kind of forums. <coughs> one other, excuse me, one other thing about Vince... Did you have an opinion or you thought about when he was on the advisory board with, for uh, for Donald Trump there? He's supposed to help get the economy back? An opinion about it? Well, I mean, that's, that's they, they, you know, they go way back. I mean, their politics, their lifestyles, you know, are aligned, you know, with each other. So, I mean, his wife was a cabinet member. Right. She ran for Senate a couple times on the Republican ticket. So, no, I mean, it was no, no big surprise. You've been in the business for a while. What would be some of the best advice you ever got in the business for your career? I didn't get a whole lot of advice, to tell you the truth. I was, I just made my own path, used common sense, did what I thought was right, even even though it cost me money a few times. Yeah, I mean, there, there was there was no... Actually, Gorilla Monsoon was the first to treat me as, like I said before, as a human being. The Grand Wizard back then, Ernie Roth, he was a manager in the WWF. He also talked to me like a, an individual. At the end of my WCW years, Gordon Soley was, you know, there would be times when I'd have, I'd get frustrated with management and Gordon Soley would talk me down, you know. But as far as like a kernel of uh, like truth, I there wasn't anything in particular that anyone ever gave me any words to live by. Now you had a, you said before, a stage show you were doing. What was that experience like and do you have any plans to do any more? This was something that I had developed all the way back in 2002 before there were any, you know, anyone was going around doing Q&As or those, those kind of standalone wrestling personality shows. It was pretty much telling stories from the book and beyond, which is why I called it Body Slams and Beyond. Not everyone's going to pick up the book and read it. Not everybody learns the same way. Some people just like to have stories told to them. (laughs) So it was a way for me to communicate some of the stories and some of the information that's in the book as I'm telling 
the stories overhead on giant screen video, you're seeing some of the incidents. For instance, you mentioned the night Mick Foley lost his ear. As I'm telling you about that incident, you're seeing the match in which he lost his ear in Germany, which was, uh, it was not like formally televised, but it was picked up by a wrestling fan at ringside on his uh, camcorder. So, you know, there are different things. Like I, I tell the story about being on the road with The Undertaker. So it was a, a week-long tour in the Midwest. And as I'm telling you the story, you're seeing our route, you know, from state, to, from city to city, state to state, with some, you know, pictures of him at the time. Same thing with uh, Steve Austin, where we traveled through the night. And the end was we were to wind up in Houston, and he was going to team up with his brother, and we were supposed to meet his brother at a strip club in Houston, and we couldn't find the club. So as I'm telling the story, you know, you're seeing pictures of, of what I'm talking about, of the area and, the, you know, things like that. So it's, um, and then at the, it's a two-hour show uh, with a 15-minute intermission, and then at the end of the show, I'll take questions from the audience. Gary, is there uh, anything you want to promote, your book? You want to talk about your book a little bit? Floor is yours. I think right now we're, uh, I'm Gary Capetta on Twitter, at Gary Capetta. And on Facebook, it's my initials, GMC, the number four, real, GMC for real. And on my Facebook, GMC for real, on the left-hand column, if you click fan subscriptions, you can be a GMC patron. And I post, I make posts that are not visible to the general public, only to the people that subscribe. So if you want to be a Gary Mabel Capetta subscriber or patron, then you go to Facebook, GMC for real. And with, you know, with the, the quarantine, there's, there's nothing live coming up that's scheduled. So I have nothing, uh, nothing like that to promote. Well, Gary, this was a pleasure. You're a great storyteller, and I uh, thoroughly enjoyed this, my man. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, and I thank your buddy for reading the book. And hopefully when he's done, he's not going to lend it to you. He's going to make you go out and buy it. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you very much, Gary. I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Because of the quarantine, this will probably go out in two weeks. But I'll let you know. We'll tweet it out, and I'll message you. And this was an absolute pleasure, my man. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah let me know, and I'll uh, send me the link to it. And I'll post it on my outlets. Awesome, awesome. I appreciate it very much, Gary. Again, thank you so much. Great storyteller. This was fun. You're welcome, Dave. Nice meeting you. Take care. Guys, this week, welcome back to the Working Man Podcast. We've got the 531 this week. We're doing it without Joe. We've been working overtime. He works in the grocery business, and he's been kicking the ass and taking names. So he's a little exhausted. He couldn't make it down this week, but he did send us a lift. But we've got all the usual suspects. Dave, tell us what we're going to talk about on the 531 this week. We are talking about the top five current female wrestlers working today. Hold up, hold up, hold up. You guys are going to do a 531 and not give it a proper intro? Look, man, I paid big money. We're going big on the intro. And needless to say, this might be the intro we stick with. We'll see what the fans say. Welcome to the 531, where we debate a top five list on a particular subject, further discuss it down to a top three, and then eventually settle on a top one. Now, after this beat, we'll get to today's subject. (laughs) 
Working Man Podcast. We've got the 531 this week. We're doing it without Joe. He's been working overtime. He works in the grocery business and he's been kicking the ass and taking names. So he's a little exhausted. He couldn't make it down this week, but he did send us a lift. But we've got all the usual suspects. Dave, tell us what we're going to talk about on the 531 this week. We are talking about the top five current female wrestlers working today so with any promotion you want to do right yeah let's you know who you got who do you think the best ladies are right now doing it i'm ready to go go ahead now you went out there and you got a list from people as always i assume that yes jesse jesse in new hampshire has something to say about this he does yeah so yeah we did this on short notice so we were probably pretty much only able to get the hardcores or most of the hardcores but uh yeah jesse's here so i'll, I'll kick off with jesse he's got the man becky lynch kicking it off he's got woo charlotte flair nobody ready for oscar the boss, Shasha Banks, and Shayna Baszler. Wow, WWE well represented. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we talk about WWE, we can be negative, but rather, forget booking for a minute. They do have some of the best all-around women's wrestlers. No, they definitely do. Uh, I think that that was a little heavy towards the main roster compared to some of the talent we have on NXT, but... Yeah. Well, let's see how this goes then. We got Jake St. John with a list. We got Shayna Baszler, Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch. All right, let's break it up. Tyla Valkyrie and Tessa Blanchard. There you go. <laughs> Jake's bringing it home. You want variety? Joe's got a list. Tyla Valkyrie, Tessa Blanchard, Charlotte Flair, Miko Tatamura. And this one I'm not as familiar with, but I got to look her up. A lot of Triple H stuff. I want, I'm not sure if I'm saying this right. Lady Shanae. So, very talented. Yeah, he brought in a mix. We got Zach, Charlotte Flair, Tessa Blanchard, Kylie Sane, Asuka, Rhea Ripley. Very good. Yeah, all right. We at least added Kylie Sane. That was a little different. You know, a real common theme here. The last person we got a list from this week, besides me or you, Randy. We're going to hear this name again. It's a lot of WWE names, but also this young lady. Number one, Tessa Blanchard. <laughs> Number two, Ia Shirai. Three, Tyler Valkyrie. Four, Deanna Perrazzo. Five, pretty much making everybody's list this week, Charlotte Flair. I don't know if she's not going to make anyone's list, to be honest with you. Well, AJ, I'm going to give you main event spot this week. Let me give you my list. Kicking it off. Woo! Charlotte Flair. <laughs> Becky Lynch. <laughs> Tessa Blanchard. Another common theme. Asuka. And Rhea Ripley. Runner-up was close. I wanted to put her in there. But at the end of the day, I gave it to Ripley. But Tony Storm. Wow, alright. Good list, man. Good list. I am gonna be like everybody else and put Charlotte Flair on there. I do think that when it comes to women's wrestling, Charlotte Flair is above and beyond what a talented athlete is. Yes. And brings that a lot to the ring. For my number two spot, I'm gonna bring in Thunder Rosa. Alright. I think Thunder Rosa is head and shoulders above the rest of the NWA women's wrestling. I think from Impact, you've gotta have Tessa Blanchard in there. Absolutely. I I think that she is one of the top wrestlers in the world, not just women's, but wrestlers, period. I I gotta tell you, some of the rest of the list was tough, but I think that Tony Storm yep. doesn't get the credit that she deserves, and she does make my list. I don't know why the WWE has soured on her the way that they have, <laughs> but to me, 
she is one of the best women wrestlers on the planet. Okay. And then one that will mystify me till the end of days why the WWE didn't see anything in her to actually give her the push that she deserves. I think she's going to make a huge splash on the independent. But Deanna Barraza, easy for me to say. Yes. Before we kick it off in the next round, I want to comment here on a couple things. One, Thunder Rosa is talented. I'm glad you put her on your list. And I think you might have hit on something there. With Thunder Rosa being in the NWA and it being so far above everybody else, she might not shine as good as she's going to shine when we see her in other promotions down the road. And she did shine before coming to the NWA. Absolutely. I've seen her on the Independent in some tag matches, and she was great. And that's what I was going based on. I wasn't going based on her work in the NWA, even though she has been able to elevate people. I just don't think the women's division in the NWA is anywhere near as strong as anywhere else in that one right now. So... Clearly going on to round two, it's got to be Charlotte and Tessa, based off these lists. Yeah. Now... So, so we need to get into something that's going to make me probably not very popular. All right. You might have noticed somebody missing from my list. You didn't have Becky Lynch. <laughs> You're damn right I didn't have Becky Lynch. Well, you know what? I think Go ahead. Becky Lynch has wrestled little to nothing over the last six months. Mm. And she is focusing far more now on other opportunities than she is on wrestling. And I think that her wrestling has become stagnant. Well, based on the fan support... Our top spot for... Okay, so Charlotte basically got seven votes. Tessa got six. And we had three people with three votes. Becky Lynch, Asuka, and Tyler Valkyrie. Based off those comments, I'm going to say the first one you want to see eliminated is Becky Lynch. I would go to I would. I think Asuka is taking steps in the right direction. Her wrestling is still as high up as it ever has been. And she is finding her personality. And then you talk about someone who unfortunately is on a smaller platform who is not going to get the credit that she deserves yet. Taya Valkyrie is a hell of a worker. Almost as good as her uh, husband. I'm going to throw two other names out there, even though they only each got two votes. And I'll have them... We'll do a tournament style again. We'll do top... Four, we're gonna throw out Becky and we'll see. All right, so this out of these four, here's a tournament. I'm gonna take Asuka and put her up against Rhea Ripley. Who moves on? Wow, I would go Asuka. Don't get me wrong, I like Rhea Ripley. Yeah, I just don't think she's where she's gonna be yet. I hear that. And then I'm gonna say Taya Valkyrie and we'll give her a little competition too. Shayna Baszler. Once again, I like both of them. I just I, I don't think Shayna's connecting yet the way that I would like to see her connect. Mm-hmm. And to me, I would go tie about Valkyrie. Okay. So then moving on to that final third spot, we got Valkyrie and Asuka. Who's going to take the third spot? Well, now, what are you thinking on this? Well, first off, back up a little bit. I do agree with John Ripley. She's amazing, but we probably haven't seen the best of her yet. Baszler is about as believable and as intense as we can get. But maybe when you talk about the personality, that next level, maybe that's where Valkyrie would outshine her. So I don't have a problem with that. Now, as for Valkyrie versus Asuka, ooh, that's tough. Asuka was in that main event match a couple years ago. Well, maybe it wasn't a main event match, but she had a match. Her first loss was to Charlotte Flair at a WrestleMania but man, I thought those matches were just phenomenal that she had with Charlotte. At the end of the day, it's really tough to say. Personality-wise, Asuka's really coming into her own, too. I would put Asuka moving on, and I'd have her there with Tessa and Charlotte. 
I actually agree with you. Okay. So, since Charlotte's got the most votes, I think we'll give her a round to the finals. Asuka versus Tessa. Your call. What do you think? So, I would go right now, personally, just because she's on a larger platform, Mm -hmm. and I hate to say that, Yeah. but there's more of a spotlight on her, and from people who prefer to work with her, if I'm starting a promotion... I would go more towards Asuka at this point. Yeah, and you know, here's the funny thing about that, too. This probably wouldn't make us the most popular guys based on this list, but I agree a lot with what you're saying. Now, Tessa can go. She's going with men. She's doing some phenomenal things. At the end of the day, I think we both agree that Asuka is just somebody that's severely underrated. And even though she's on that major platform, maybe doesn't get the fucking push she should get. I don't have... She's taken her spotlight and personality to the next level, barely speaking English. Yeah, in the WWE, which is almost impossible to get a push on the main roster and not speak English very clearly. Yeah, well, even if you speak English very well, if you have a slight accent, Cesaro, sometimes this big man can be against you. Yes. Uh, You can tell who AJ thinks deserves to be pushed. Cesaro and Tony Storm. Tony Storm hasn't even had the worst push of the company, but AJ is livid, and she's not on top right now. (laughs) Uh Oh, she's being villainized. She's being villainized by somebody in the WWE. (laughs) I got to be honest with you. I'll go with Asuka to the finals because at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter to me. Because at the end of the day... You can you interchange all of them. Let's face, there's honorable mentions that didn't make our list yeah. that are great talents right now. Yeah. Rick Morgan is coming into her own right now. Sure. You've got Alexa Bliss, who is... You can say whatever you want about her. She, every time she comes to the ring, she performs. Yeah. Sasha Banks, you've got Bailey, you've got mm-hmm. all kinds of people that could make this list. We didn't even mention the AEW winner. Nobody from AEW made the list. No. <laughs> There's probably a reason for that. <laughs> Now, there's some talented women in AEW, but that's a division that still needs work because, like, when you talk about other women, I mean, I really think that besides internationally, Impact and WWE are right now the top places for women to work. Well, somebody internationally who didn't make the list, who quite frankly could easily make the list, Priscilla Kelly Mm -hmm. did not make the list. Kylie Ray. Another one, Kylie Ray. We didn't even get into the fact of the NXT women. You have women down there in NXT, whether it's Candice LeRae, whether it's Mm -hmm. uh, Team Kick, whether it's it's just an absolute shine fest down there right now. What's her name? Who's going to be challenging uh, Charlotte uh, next Wednesday? Who just challenged Charlotte this Wednesday? Io Shirai. She did make one person's list there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yosurai, Tegan Knox. There's just so much, so much talent. It's really great. But at the end of the day, I'll take you back before we finish this up because I think we know where we're going here. WrestleMania last year, Becky Lynch had all the momentum in the world. She got red, red hot. She tore it up. Ronda Rousey was a reason why that main event was taking place, folks, whether you like it or not, because she had the big name. And God bless Ronda, she came in there ready to show up. But when you put that main event together, there was a reason why they threw Charlotte Flair in there at the end of the day. Because Charlotte Flair was going to be the one who held that all together just in case something went wrong. And that's not a knock on Becky because there's got to be somebody who's A1 and just somebody's just, oh man, just a little bit better. And that person's Charlotte Flair in my book. She is without a doubt. 
People hate her. I'm making an analogy here for you. Go ahead. To me, and I know that it's not fair to compare her to her father. She's obviously coming to her own. Yeah. But this is the one time I'm going to make the analogy with her father. For decades, when it came to wrestling, you would see people come and go who would be fantastic, shining lights, and they would always come and go. But there was one consistent, and that consistent was that if you put somebody in there with Ric Flair, he was going to get them over, yeah. and you were going to have a hell of a match. Charlotte Flair has come into her own now, and she is that shining light. Whoever you put in there with her, and you're going to get a hell of a match, the person's going to get over, and they're going to be better than they were before. No arguments here. At the end of the day, she's only been in the business for a short time, but she's already one of the all-time greats as far as I'm concerned. There is one thing I'd like to say about Tessa Blanchard, though. Yeah. And this is the difference between her and Charlotte. Even though they've been wrestling almost the same amount of time, Charlotte is a lot older than Tessa Blanchard. Oh, yeah. And Charlotte is in her, what, mid-30s. Mm-hmm. Whereas Tessa Blanchard is still in her early 20s. There is a lot of time for some women to still grow, and they might explode in the next few years. One woman, another one we didn't even mention. looking to see where women's wrestling is going, the thing that you have to keep in mind right now is the two biggest names in the WWE right now, probably, I think you would agree with me, are Becky and Charlotte. Mm-hmm. However, both of them are also probably the two oldest women, well, other than Natalia, the two oldest women in the WWE. And you know what? Just throw one more youthful name out there we didn't mention. A woman, when she first came on the scene, I wasn't really a big fan of. But she's so athletic. She's got charisma. And if handled correctly, she could be a force down the road. Bianca Belair. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, a lot of talent. For Bianca Belair, it's not learning to do things. I think it's actually going to be, believe it or not, learning what not to do. Absolutely, yeah. Learning what not to do and when to do it, as they say. I think yeah, she's... sometimes less is more. Yeah, she could definitely be a force down the road as well. So many great talents. At the end of the day, I think this is the one we got right. <laughs> like maybe some of our previous 5-3-1s. Charlotte Flair. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Kane is the greatest mass luchador of all time. People can kiss my ass. <laughs> Clint Jacobs rules But at the end of the day This one I think No matter how good We were really just debating About two and three End of the day We give it to Charlotte Flair Woo! Absolutely And that's the 5-3-1 folks Thanks for showing up We're out Alright so that wraps us up For this week Thank you again For listening to the Working Fans Podcast So as always You can find us On Twitter At Fans Working Our Facebook page Is Working Fans Wrestling Pod We have email Where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then, as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 